Good morning, everyone. I'm so glad you're here this morning. And I just have a few announcements to share with you because everything you need to know is right here in the bulletin. So we want to make sure that everybody gets a bulletin and looks it through really carefully. We do have a few updates, however. So blessings of the book bags. We've collected a lot of supplies but we still need the book bags themselves. And we're going to do a big push for these book bags because we're um, kind of distributed in between uh, helping Florence flourish. Is it help for kids, Brandy? Or helping Florence flourish and Briggs Elementary, which, of course, is our school. So um, this we'll be collecting for the next two weeks. We've extended it to August 7th so that we can um, continue to collect through Rally Sunday, which is our big Sunday school day. Hopefully you've started to hear about that. Um, Sunday school for adults, youth, and children. So if you will need more information, it's right here on the front of the bulletin. Also, I want to bring your attention to this page. It's, it might be, it's all in blue. These are our ministry opportunities so if you're looking for ways that God is calling you to reach out and use your gifts, these ministry opportunities are here in the bulletin periodically. If you need more information, if you'll give me a call, I'll tell you about it. It's not that you have to commit. It's just that you're looking for more information. But we definitely want to um, bring your awareness to these ministry opportunities. Also, um, we've talked a lot about registration because we're trying very hard to be good stewards of our resources and to make sure that our planning is complete. And so Philip, the magician that he is, has put in these QR codes. And I want to bring your attention to the Wacky Wednesday for the children and the Serve Sunday, which is the mission opportunity for the children now, you may not be sitting with a child today and need to register them, but please spread the word for us. And all you have to do with these codes is just take a picture of it with your smartphone, and it'll open up, and you can register right here, right now, in church if you'd like to. So we're trying to make it as easy as possible. Um, yes, we are uh, stopping our radio broadcast. Hopefully you've been hearing about that. Um, on Sunday, July 31st, will be the very last time that we do this. But again, Philip has set us up. So um, you'll be able to listen um, and you just go through the website. And he'll, we'll be sending that out in the e-news if you get that. You can click on it on, for August 7th. So we've got this bulletin is just packed with things, including our Rally Sunday information. So Rally Sunday, once again big Sunday school push. It is very important for each of us to be involved in some sort of small group for fellowship, for study, for support. And our Sunday schools are our starting places for this. This is the Sunday that you'd be able to just have a, go to a Sunday school that maybe you haven't visited before or explore a little bit. And again, I'll be glad to share any information, kind of put you, guide you in the right direction. Um, to prepare us for that Sunday, August 7th. And now, finally, um, I do have some sad news to share with you. Lonnie Hi Hi Song, 
uh, passed away on Friday, um, and his service will be here tomorrow at 3 o'clock. Visitation for him will be at 2 in the commons beforehand. And so please keep Lonnie, his son Lon, and his entire family and his friends in your prayers, if you will. I'd appreciate that. And now, oh, I do have one other announcement. We have a special guest preacher this morning. And um, he, you might know him, Tyner. <laughs> he's, a, he's kind of related to me a little bit. So um, I appreciate him being here with us to share the message. And I appreciate um, y'all being here to support him too. So now let us prepare our hearts and minds for worship together. Rise up, O God, and judge the earth. God gives justice to the weak.
And now while we are standing, let us say what we believe using the Apostles' Creed found in Selection 881 in your hymnal. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Please be seated. And if you will, pray with me our colic and our Lord's Prayer, both are found in your order of worship. Almighty and most merciful God, hear us as we submit our whole hearts to you, that relying upon you as our guide, we may escape the evils that would harden our hearts and turn us away from your righteousness. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who with you and the Holy Spirit lives and reigns, one God in glory everlasting, we now pray as your Son taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. I want to welcome you again to worship this morning, whether you are here in person or joining us over the radio. We are very glad that you are joining us to worship and praise God. I would like to ask you to take a look and find those pew pads if you're here in the sanctuary at the end of your pews and sign in and pass it along and greet your neighbor and welcome them to Central as we worship together. Also, I'd like to remind you that if you are interested in any of the ministries of the church or if you want to join Central or you know someone who does, if you will just contact one of the clergy, we would love to speak with them. And you can find a lot of information about our beliefs 
about the ministry, about Central itself on our website at centralmethodist.net. So we want to continue to get the word out about these ministries and get everyone involved. It's important to our faith. And now as I turn to reading the scripture this morning, I'm going to do a little flip-flop on y'all. Instead of reading Hosea, I'm going to leave that to our preacher here, and I'm going to read um, from Colossians, make sure I've got it right, Colossians, the second chapter, verses 6 through 19 today. Colossians, so that is our epistle reading from the Colossians, the second chapter, verses 6 through 19. And I'll invite you to hear now the word of the Lord. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision by putting off the body of the flesh and the circumcision of Christ when you were buried with him in baptism. You were also raised with him through faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all of our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and the authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing triumphing over them in it. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink or of observing festivals, new moons, or Sabbaths. These are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Do not let anyone disqualify you insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, dwelling on visions puffed up without cause by a human way of thinking, and not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body, nourished and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows with a growth that is from God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Our gospel lesson this morning is from the 11th chapter of Luke, verses 1 through 13. Hear now the word of the Lord. He was praying in a certain place, and after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. And do not bring us to the time of trial. And he said to them, Suppose one of you has a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread, for a friend of mine has arrived, and I have nothing to set before him. And he answers from within, Do not bother me. The door has already been locked, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot give up, get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend, at least because of his persistence, he will get up and give him whatever he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Search, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. And everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if a child asks for an egg, will give a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And our act of praise is from Psalm 85. And you're going to find it in selection 806 in your hymnal. Please stand as you are able and join me. You showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You withdrew all your wrath. You turned from your hot anger. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger to all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? 
let me hear what God will speak, for the Lord will speak peace to his people, to his faithful, to those who turn to the Lord in their hearts. Steadfast love and faithfulness will meet. Righteousness and peace will kiss each other. The Lord will give what is good, and our land will yield its increase. may be seated, and I will turn to Miss Brandy Love to speak to the children. Are there any more children? Looks like there's just you, Porter. You want to sit right there, or are you going to sit by me? <laughs> Young and young at heart, right? <laughs> there you go. Good morning. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to ask our friends behind us to help us so you're not the only one, okay? So today we're going to talk about something very important. But first I want to talk to you about making dinner. Do you know what this is? A cookbook. That's right. And what does a cookbook have in it? That's right. It's a list of recipes to make food. So like if we were going to make blueberry muffins. We would look in there and it will tell us how to do it. And so this book is full of recipes and it lists all the ingredients and it tells us how to put them together to make a dish. And sometimes we can we can switch it around. Like we don't exactly have to do like if we're making macaroni and cheese and it says just put one cup of cheese, but we want two cups. We can do that, can't we? We can add a little bit extra cheese, can't we? That's right. But if I'm not sure how to make something, then we read the recipe. But some things we know how to make without looking at the cookbook, don't we? We just know how to do it. Now, did you know God has given us a recipe book? What? That's right, the Bible. And this is our recipe for life. The Bible gives us amazing directions for living. And did you know it also gives us instructions on how to pray? Yes. How do you like to pray? You prayed this morning, didn't you, for Grant, who's going off to camp. And did you just, you just had the praise, how did you start off? Dear God. God, that's right. So sometimes we have prayers that we like to use or we like to say, but sometimes we might have a hard time coming up with the right words to say when we pray. And we might be confused or maybe too upset to pray. You know, we don't know what to say, but the good news is the Bible helps us. We can find prayers in the book of Psalms, which has some great praises and some things to help us as we go through struggles. And Jesus also gives us a great recipe for a prayer in the New Testament. And we just heard Pastor Meg read that um, prayer, and we heard Dr. Coleman sing the prayer. It's called the Lord's Prayer. And we use it to help us pray when we don't have the exact words to this prayer, but we keep it as a guideline. 
And first Jesus said to open up by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. This means we recognize that we're talking to God who is our Father and wants to be part, and we want to be part of his family. And he wants us to be part of his family. And we recognize that he's holy and special. And then the part comes that says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that means we want God's will to be done. And we want what he wants for our lives. And then the next part says, Give us this day our daily bread. And that means we want the Lord to give us what we need each day. Sometimes we want things that we don't need. But when we ask for daily bread, that means we ask God to give us what we need one day at a time. Then the prayer says, forgive us our debts as we forgive others. And we are very glad that God has already forgiven everything we have done and everything we will do. And then the prayer says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God does not tempt us to do bad things, but Satan does. So we ask for God to help us stand strong in his will. And then the prayer ends with, yours is the kingdom and power and glory. And this reminds us that God is powerful. He will always be powerful. And we want to serve him and honor him with everything and anything we do. So this is a great recipe if we need help coming up with the words or topics to pray about. We might pray it just like this or use our own words and phrases. But isn't it good that God helps us when we don't know what to say? So we can thank him right now by repeating after me when I pray. Will you, will you pray with me, Porter? Dear God, thank you for letting us talk to you. Thank you for your words in the Bible. Help us to use your special instructions to pray and to obey your wonderful commands. Thank you for your love. We love you, God. Thank you for Jesus. In his name, amen. And I made you a little card so that you can have the Lord's Prayer and you can keep it with you. Okay? All right, well, we'll go to Children's Church. Have a good week.
Hear now the Old Testament lesson from Hosea chapter 1, verses 2 through 10. When the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord said to Hosea, Go, take for yourself a wife of whoredom, and have children of whoredom. For the land commits great whoredom by forsaking their God. So he went and took Gomer, son of the blind, and she conceived and bore him a son. And the Lord said to him, Name him Jezreel, for in a little while I will punish the house of Jehu for the blood of Jezreel, and I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. On that day I will break the bow of Israel and the land of Jezreel. She conceived again and bore a daughter. Then the Lord said to him, Name her Loruhama, for I will no longer have pity on the house of Israel or forgive them. But I will have pity on the house of Judah, and I will save them by the Lord their God. I will not save them by the bow or by the sword or by war or by horses or by horsemen. When she weaned Loruhama, she conceived and bore a son. Then the Lord said, Name him Loamai, for you are not my people, and I am not your God. Yet the number of the people of Israel shall be like the sand of the sea, which can be neither measured nor numbered. And in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people, it shall be said to them, children of the living God. The word of God for the people of God. I've always loved the Old Testament prophets. They're sassy, not afraid to call out their friends, family, or anyone else in order to set them back on the right path. However, yes, they are always just a little bit too harsh. I mean, listen to Hosea's word choice here back at the beginning. Don't worry, I won't repeat what he said. Isn't it a bit extreme? It's enough to where I don't feel super comfortable repeating it up here in the pulpit. And I want to spend the next little bit pointing towards a couple of different leaders in various fields so we can analyze their leadership styles and abilities as well as Hosea's a little better. Number one is the NBA player Chris Paul. Now, bear with me if you don't care about basketball. There's only a couple of things that you need to know about him for this story to make sense. First, Chris is one of the all-time greatest point guards the game of basketball has ever seen. He's been able to track some truly horrible basketball teams to at least a respectable level, seemingly all by himself. He is widely known as one of the greatest floor generals the game has ever seen able to direct his teammates where they need to be and pick apart defenses with little effort. The game seems to come naturally to him, and he's always been viewed as a great leader and genius of the game of basketball. However, here's the only other thing you need to know about Chris. Despite being one of probably the 50 greatest players the game of basketball has ever seen, Chris Paul has never won a championship. Not once. In fact, 
Chris is in the running for the best player in NBA history to never win a championship, at least so far. He's gotten fairly close a couple of times, but his team never makes it over that hump. Now we can get into the story. If you know me, you know that outside of religion and philosophy, one of the biggest things I love talking about is basketball. So that means I'm a basketball nerd, and a lot of the content I consume, like podcasts and interviews, are basketball-related. And while I was out running this week, I was listening to a podcast wherein a former teammate was interviewing Chris, and he asked him about his leadership style. This teammate said that Chris's delivery was sometimes a turnoff. And Chris went on to talk about how his leadership style has developed over the years to understand that not everyone responds well to being yelled at. However, he also followed this up immediately by saying that out there on the court, he is just going to do what he normally does, even if it leads to issues. So, here we have it. Chris Paul, one of the greatest basketball leaders ever, admitting without even realizing it that there may be some issue in how he is leading his teammates. Do you think this may have something to do with why he's never won a championship? That maybe, just maybe, his drive to succeed and lead his team to the biggest goal in basketball is getting in the way of him doing just that. I mean, he's come out and said multiple times that all he cares about is winning, that he desperately wants to win a championship. Being that he's had some pretty good teams around him so far, could this harsh leadership style have had some, inf some impact on his lack of success? Another great individual in their respective field is the 19th century theologian and philosopher Soren Kierkegaard. Kierkegaard is one of my favorite thinkers ever. He was insane. He was a Danish man living in the 1800s, describing himself as a missionary. Now, Soren never left Denmark. So how is he a missionary in this big Christian nation? Well, he described his mission as bringing Christianity to Christendom. Wow. What a loaded mission statement. Kierkegaard, much like Hosea, saw something wrong with the chosen people of his time. He took great issue with the idea of placing their rationality as equal with their faith. I guess he wasn't a big fan of John Wesley. He took such an issue with the concept of combining rationality and faith that one of his most famous books is called Either or and in it, he has two volumes wherein he describes how life is different for those who use their rationality exclusively and those who use their faith. Kierkegaard must have really liked Tertullian's great quote, for what has Jerusalem to do with Athens, describing the great divide between rationalism and religion. Long story short, Soren was a genius truly one of the greatest minds the West has ever produced. And what did he choose to do with that great mind? He published books titled things like Fear and Trembling, The Sickness Unto Death, 
and the concept of anxiety. And he published them using pseudonyms, fake names. And then he reviewed them, utilizing other pseudonyms, and gave them bad reviews. So, with all these great ideas, he decides to lock them away behind unwelcoming titles and bad reviews and no-name authors. I mean, really, how many of you are going to go pick up a book called The Sickness Unto Death, written by some nobody, with horrible reviews, and say, yeah, I think I'll enjoy reading this. Does this not undercut a lot of his work? I mean, his self-defined mission was to bring Christianity to Christendom. Was making his books hard to read, unappealing, and poorly reviewed really the way to complete this mission? I bring this up in relation to Hosea because I see a lot of Hosea, or really any of the Old Testament prophets, in Chris and in Kierkegaard. All of them are people vehemently trudging towards a clear goal who probably know the best way to get there, dealing with those around them, dragging their feet, and refusing to follow their leadership. And what do all of these three do in response? When the going gets tough, they grab the people they're leading, shake them around, and scream in their face. And does this appear to be a very successful leadership strategy? Well, I don't believe so. None of them really seem to apply the love that God extends to us in their leadership strategies. And it doesn't really seem to work out for any of them at all in the end. Chris still doesn't have a championship. Kierkegaard did not have the extreme influence on the world that he wanted to. And Hosea never got his people to follow the law to the T. Hosea goes on in this book to describe the relationship we see in this passage. How Hosea was married to a woman who will not remain faithful to him. God is in a relationship with us, even though we do not remain faithful to God. Hosea does all of this to prove a point, much like the one raised in Ezekiel chapter 16, where Ezekiel uses similar disrespectful language to describe God's chosen people. The point being that while God has always remained faithful to us, we have never even held up the bare minimum of our side of the covenant. And that's really what we're talking about here, isn't it? The bare minimum. In a relationship, the bare minimum you ask of your partner is that they not cheat on you. Barring a few other things, if you and your significant other can figure that out, you can probably manage the relationship. And that is all God really asks us to do, the bare minimum. Jesus comes down and gives us two, two rules, to love God and to love our neighbor. Only two. And have we followed them? I don't mean perfectly. I mean, have we followed them at all? I can attest that I haven't. I haven't turned the other cheek. I haven't helped every homeless person I've passed. I haven't forgiven everyone who has done me wrong. So then, if I can't follow two simple rules when I have an entire guidebook on how to follow them well, 
what does God owe me? If I don't hold up my end of the bargain, why should God hold up God's? I mean, in that way, Hosea wasn't really wrong, now was he? The Israelites were being unfaithful to God, not keeping up their end of the covenant. And Hosea was tasked with letting them know that. But was Hosea's harsh rhetoric really the way to embody God's grace and God's love as a leader? Think if you were to go to the store and buy some eggs. You go up to the cashier, cashier rings your eggs, takes your money, and hides the eggs behind the counter. It's irrational, right? Cashier isn't going to take those eggs home. You paid for them. They should be yours. Wouldn't that make you so angry? Wouldn't that make you want to lash out and forcefully take what you deserve? Well, luckily for us, God doesn't see things that way. God is better than we are. Where we would get angry and resentful after giving something in exchange for nothing, God not only gives something in exchange for nothing, he does it every single day with every single one of us. God is really more of a cashier that rings up your eggs and when you walk out without paying for them, shrugs his shoulders and says, well, they probably need it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not up here preaching about cheap grace. I'm most definitely not telling you that you can go out there in the world and do whatever it is that you please and it doesn't matter because God's going to give you grace anyway. What I am telling you is to bask in the beauty of that for just a second. It's something that I've always found so beautiful about Christianity. We believe in a God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in the creator, the almighty, and the all-merciful and all-loving. And where we see a botched exchange where one party didn't hold up their end of the bargain, God sees an opportunity to extend ultimate grace and love to that person. Not only forgiving them, but continuing to invite them into God's glorious kingdom. So then, what are we as Christians called to do? Well, I think the majority of what we are supposed to do is simply to embody that grace and that love that God extends to us. We have responsibility here on earth. And I think that responsibility is, again, to bask in the wonderful gift that God has given us and then to go forth and extend it to the world. God's love doesn't make sense. God's grace and mercy don't make sense. God is not only giving us the eggs we didn't pay for, but the cheese, the milk, the seasoning, the bacon, and the pancake mix to go along with it. All God asks is that we do likewise, as best as we can. In terms of leadership, how do we carry this out? It's frequently hard, as a Christian, to watch on as I and others like me continue to live our lives without holding up our end of the deal to God. I think of how frustrating it must be for Chris Paul to be out there with a bunch of NBA teammates who won't listen to him, 
even though he is right almost 100% of the time. How frustrating it must have been for Kierkegaard, one of the great geniuses of the West, who had to watch his fellow Danes continue to live lives in service to Athens as opposed to in service to Jerusalem. And most of all, Hosea, the man literally speaking the words of God. If humans won't even listen to Hosea, who will we listen to? But leadership is a responsibility as well as a blessing. Chris, Soren, Hosea, they are all leaders of their people, leaders in their field. They are charged with leading well. Particularly for Hosea and Soren, they are charged with embodying God in their leadership. God is loving, graceful, and merciful. Kierkegaard and Hosea were harsh, rude, and frustrated. Is this tough love really the way to change, to success, to accomplishing our goals as leaders? And I'm not convinced that tough love is all that it is cracked up to be. God is not only a leader by guiding us, but God is a leader by example. We are told every day to follow Christ's example in the world, and I don't think that I remember Jesus frequently showcasing leadership through harsh rhetoric and frustration. Of course, there is a time and a place for everything, such as when he flipped tables in the temple. But the vast majority of the time, if you look how Jesus responds, it is with love, patience, and grace towards the people who must have undoubtedly been frustrating to him. I think that is a wonderful example of how we should choose to lead our lives and lead each other. I'll wrap up today by relating this to my life. When I went to college and started learning some about the harsh realities of the world, I wanted to make a change. Much like Kierkegaard, Chris, and Hosea, I have wanted nothing more than to grab some people and shake some sense into them. I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a small part of why I want to be a pastor. However, every pastor that I've met has reminded me to take a step back and think about what the outcome of my actions might just be. If any of you are familiar with the Hippocratic Oath, it is primum non nocere, or first do no harm. As Christians, we ought to be reminded of this every single day. We are charged to do good to the best of our abilities, but before we can do good, we must first do no harm. As a future pastor and as a leader in many of my personal Christian spaces, I must remember that do no harm comes first. No matter the good that may come from a situation, a sermon, or a conversation, if it will cause, cause harm, it must be avoided. Hosea clearly did not follow this rule. How many of you would have immediately shut me out if I had come up here and preached a sermon exclusively on how we have been adulterous with God? However, these rules do not just apply to me. I look out at all of you, and I see many wonderful Christian leaders. Every last one of you has had an impact on how I developed as a Christian. Think about that. You 
as an individual, through your commitment to this church and to me, have influenced my life in tremendous ways, encouraging me and helping me to follow my call and pursue ministry. That is a wonderful gift and a terrifying responsibility. You've probably heard of the idea of being a good representative of God out in the world. Maybe someone has told you, you may be the only Jesus that that person sees today. Well, God and Jesus are loving, full of grace, and full of mercy. And if we are to be good representatives of God, if we are to embody God in everything we do, then we must be all of those things to the best of our ability. I thank you so much for everything you have done in my life as a Christian. And I hope that you and I can all continue to be wonderful representatives of God and of God's love and mercy out in the world, extending it to every person that we meet. Let us pray. Gracious God, we offer our thanks and praise for the beauty of the world around us, for the people who love us and whom we love, for the gifts of our physical being and the beauty of our minds. We give you thanks for our differences, our different ways of experiencing the world, for our different and complementary spiritual gifts, for the insights and excitement of serving together as the body of Christ. And as we rejoice in our many blessings, help us to remember that we have been loved by you beyond our comprehension. Help us remember that we are forgiven for our sins through no abilities of our own, but only by your grace. Most of all, we pray that you help us to grow and embody Christ-like love and forgiveness toward others. Lord, we pray for those who grieve, especially the family and friends of Lonnie Hysong. We pray for your peace and give thanks for the lives of loved ones who have touched our lives. Lord, we pray for those who suffer those who we know personally, as well as those across the world. And we ask for special blessings in their lives and guidance for us to be part of that blessing. Lord, we pray for our world. We pray for the coming kingdom as we have seen the inbreaking in the life of Christ. For an end to violence and despair, for a change of heart to bring every person closer to you. And so in praise and thanksgiving we offer our prayers. And in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit we pray. Amen. And now as we respond to this love, we will offer our gifts and ourselves to God's service.
Almighty God, we give you thanks for the many blessings in our lives. And we ask that you bless these gifts and bless us as we seek to serve you in your kingdom. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Go forth out into the world. Go and be a good representative of God and God's love and grace. In God's name we pray. Amen.